When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 122 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on the Fan First Sports Network. And Jake and I were just talking about how kind of surprised we are watching these Pirates these days. 16 and 7. They've won seven straight, another sweep over the Reds in four games. I just, I don't know what to do with myself, Jake. Uh, How are you doing? Well, I woke up and again, all I heard today was uh, Pirates are on a seven game win streak. They're one of the best teams in baseball, the hottest team in baseball. We uh, the Pirates garnered a lot of national media attention and for the better this time around. Uh, It's it's weird. I don't know really how to describe it. Haven't had this feeling since I was in middle school, I would say. So this is uh, this is surprising. And a lot of it, I hope, is going to stick around for a while. Um, I don't know about you, but to me, and I'm, I guess we should start this off with a bang. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling like this isn't some fluke like 2018. I feel like this is starting. This is the, the fruits of the labor that we're starting to see from Ben Charrington and co that he's sort of built on over the past uh, couple of years with the tanking years. Yeah. And we've kind of touched on this in pods in the past, recent past about how this hot start seems more sustainable, the more it moves along but we're at the point now where this is this is kind of getting a little ridiculous with the seven game win streak the record 16 and 7 they have the best record in the national league second best record in all of baseball and obviously you can't say it enough it's still april we are one eighth of the way through this season so Obviously, we don't think the Pirates are going to win like 113 games like they're on pace for right now. But the run differential is nice, plus 25. It's not like they're they're squeaking by nothing but close wins. They've had some close wins, especially in this Red Series. A lot of the winning was due to great pitching. The offense kind of cooled off a tad against the Reds. But it's just it's crazy to experience right now because... We've talked about it before. Since we started this podcast, the Pirates have been the absolute worst team in Major League Baseball. To go from worst to first so far this season, it's just, like you said, it's been since 2015 that there has been relevant baseball played in Pittsburgh. And it's just, uh, it's pretty crazy to experience at the moment. And it's an off day today when we're recording this. Obviously, the schedule has been light over the past week, and we we said as much a few podcasts ago when we recorded last week, the Rockies and the Reds suck. We would have been happy with five wins. They won all seven of them. The schedule ahead, it's a little, it's a little tough here. They got the Dodgers for three, and then they're at Washington, which is another bad opponent, but at Tampa for three, and then home against the Blue Jays for three. Three out of those four teams are borderline elite at this moment so we'll get a better gauge of what this team truly is but for now it's just I don't know I I'm just flabbergasted watching this team win in every way everything's going right yeah I feel like there I feel like if they had a winning record but maybe lost a game or two here and there it wouldn't be as popular as it is right now but Winners of seven straight, back-to-back sweeps. They now have three on the season, something that we had to wait, what, three years for to even get a yeah. sweep. Yeah, uh, That's impressive in of itself. And one of the things that I'm noticing, uh, well, before we get into the actual players, going back to the national media attention, 
I mean, we're used to some of the guys around the Pittsburgh area, even like Western PA, just sort of giving attention to the Pirates because they have to. But I'm noticing that we're seeing a lot of other guys start talking about the Pirates. Like on MLB Network, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who has nothing ever to say that is good about the Pirates, most of the time, in my opinion, doesn't have a good take on baseball. He's showing Pirates some praise. Yeah. Um, a certain radio host, I won't name names, out in Pittsburgh, who does an afternoon show on 105.90X, he's starting to somewhat sway his attention toward the Pirates a little bit. And Pat McAfee, who grew near Pittsburgh in the Plum area, for those who don't know, he was talking about them on their show today. And he actually he said something which oh, I hope is true, but I think it's a little too early to say. He said that Pittsburgh is now becoming a baseball town or baseball <laughs> is once again relevant in Pittsburgh. Um, okay, uh, listen, I'll take that. I'll take Mark DeRosa on MLB Network uh, morning programming talking about the Pirates road to success. I'll talk about Jeff Passan showing some quote unquote love. Put out a tweet earlier today pretty much saying how the Pirates are on a hot streak. They're run differentially pointed out, but then he also said they're playing against Colorado and Cincinnati. I'm not going to get too upset because Passon couldn't be talking about us at all. So I'll take that one way or another. Um, one thing that stood out to me the most, and I feel like this has gone overlooked by a lot of fans and media personnel. We're doing this without O'Neill Cruz. Mm-hmm. We're doing this without G-Man Choi, who a lot of people thought was going to make an impact on the first base platoon. He was brought in to be that main first base guy. We're doing it without him, doing a little bit without our without a couple of our bullpen pieces, I'm not going to say they're impact players, but pretty much we're doing it with a lot of our starting roster missing. And I think that's the most impressive thing. And Sunday we did it without Brian Reynolds, who's dealing with family issues. Uh, He was on bereavement leave. We send every thought and prayer we can to him and his family, not too sure what the situation is, but again, we're, we're doing this with a lot of our main guys out. We're doing it with a lot of guys who a lot of people sort of wrote off at the beginning of the year they're stepping up in a big way. Uh, big name for me, Vince Velasquez. I mean, I, I mean, you remember when in the offseason up to this point, I was writing him off every two weeks week. ago. Yeah, literally a few weeks ago. And now <laughs> I'm on the Vinny bandwagon. Like he is, uh, he's, um, and I pulled one of the stat, one of these uh, stats out uh, just doing in research this morning. And you and I were sort of talking about sustainability and we're going to get into, into that a little bit. Vince Velasquez has a 254 BAPIP, which, it's it's the same as Johan Oviedo, oh, and gosh. it's less than Rowanzi Contreras and Mitch Keller, two of our better pitchers. Vince Velasquez is looking like a true number two right now. Again, he's he's going up against inferior talent, but even last year against inferior talent, he still struggled, and now he's looking like a whole new guy. I, again, just culminating, missing some key pieces, guys stepping up. That's why we're seeing these results mix in with a little bit of incompetency incompetency from other franchises, but Hey, I'll take this hot streak. I don't care what happens. I don't care if it's sustainable or not. This is the first time that baseball is the epicenter of Pittsburgh sports. And well, let's ride it. Let's ride it. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think the pirates are, they're kind of the big story in major league baseball as a whole right now, Monday morning, all the stories are about the pirates and look at them. 16 and seven. It's crazy because obviously it's way too early in the season to, to know what's what in, in a baseball season, but enough time has passed where you can kind of raise your eyebrows at some of the things that have happened and think, is that something? I don't know. Um, So it's, it's not like the pirates are off to a six and two start. There's they're 23 games in. So that's, the sample size is growing larger and larger. I want to flash us back about a month ago with Jack Sawinski, and a lot of people in Pittsburgh were thinking of him as someone that needed sent down, and uh, he was losing his job to Travis Swaggerty and Kanan Smith and Jigba. I will say, I don't, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I always said, I mean, if you can hit 19 home runs as a rookie in like a half season worth of at-bats, that's something. So he definitely deserved a chance. And he really didn't get a chance too early in the season. It's only been this past two weeks or so that he's been getting every day at-bats. But he has firmly implanted himself into that starting lineup. He's getting at-bats against lefties. And the contact rate is still really bad, but 
if you if you're controlling the zone and not swinging at a ton of pitches and only swinging at good pitches when you make the contact you will be solid and i just think the thing that separates jack Sawinski from a smith and jigba or a swaggerty is the just flat out power potential with the home run ball um he's a guy that has legitimate light tower power and the rest of your game aside, if you can hit dingers, you're going to have a spot in the league. And hopefully he keeps it up, keeps the the plate discipline going. But Swinski has firmly uh, put himself as the Pirates starting right fielder, center fielder, whatever outfielder. And um, I'm I'm happy for him, and I hope he can keep it up because I'm a Jack Swinski truther. Yeah, you've been a truther, Jack Sawinski, I, I think even since last year, too. Like, you started noticing that. And while you were talking, I raised my hand like, yeah, I was one of those people that wrote him off, too. I was open, I was hyping on the Cannon uh, Smith and Jigba, Travis Swaggerty train. In a way, I'm still kind of on Swaggerty, but... Oh, for I sure. Think- no, I think they're fine. But it's the spring training thing, once again. We just got to pull the Jets, everybody, myself included. You see things you like, you, you hop on board. I thought... Brian Hayes was going to be awesome hitting the ball this season, although he has been a lot better lately, but yeah, yeah. that's just a spring training thing. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I, th- I think the thing that really sticks out to me is kind of something you mentioned already. And that's his ability to watch pitches out of the zone. Cause last year he was just in a way he and O'Neill Cruz were alike because they just kept swinging at things out of the zone. They weren't, they, they did not look disciplined at the plate, but now Sawinski he's raising that walk rate a little bit. He's, Really, the the most of his troubles, and this is an ironic thing, is that he's missing a lot of pitches in the zone. Like, he's whiffing at them, but he's seeing them really well. And, I mean, when he makes contact, it either finds the gap or he you know goes over the wall. And we saw that in the, in the final two games of the Red Series. Anytime, well, when Carlos Santana got on base, it seemed like there was a magic button on second that when Santana reached second, Sawinski just ripped it in the gap and scored him. I'd, it, it was awesome to see. And I, I like the fact that we're seeing a new, a new form of Jack Swinski. He's not trying to swing for the fences every time, but I think he's maybe starting to find that balance of contact and power that we were hoping for last season. And and I mean, he's just looking a lot more mature at the plate. I'm sure, I'm sure Michael McHenry will maybe analyze this on a telecast here in the future, just how far he's grown in terms of you know his plate approach. But um, I'm kind of like you there, uh, just seeing Swinski produce consistently. In more ways than one, I think he's definitely earned a starting spot consistently in the outfield, at least for the for the interim. Um, I, I do think that him, Reynolds, and Kutch, I think, would be a, star, a stellar outfield look. Um, and I think another thing that kind of goes overlooked, is, and I know we haven't seen it in a big sample size, is Sawinski's ability in center field. I, that was a lot. It was a big thing that a lot of people were sort of really skeptical on, myself included, coming out of spring training, was how good would Sawinski be in center field defensively? Well, you know, I, from what I've seen in the regular season, again, a, a small sample size, but I've been pretty impressed. He looks comfortable out there, unlike spring training, which, again, spring training plays tricks on you. Just get rid of it altogether. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's looked comfortable. He looks like a more evolved major league outfielder, if that makes sense. And I'm glad that we're starting to see that side of Sawinski. I, I'm re- excited to see if he can maintain it against tougher competition, especially Tampa Bay here coming up, who's just been tearing through the major leagues. I think in the outfield, he looks fine. His arm probably isn't great, like his arm strength out in center field, but range is there. He's fast. He seems like he gets a good beat on balls, and his just ability to get to fly balls, I think, is really solid. And you kind of mentioned his swing percentage on pitches outside of the zone last season was 27.4%. This year, it's down to 17.5% so far. So he's swinging at 10% less pitches outside of the zone. So just swing selection with Sawinski has been the major difference. He's still going to swing and miss a ton, but if he can swing and miss at good pitches while also laying off the bad pitches, that that's just going to be huge. And he's just been he's been really great to start the season. I want to talk about Colin Holderman a little bit, the eighth inning hero, if you will. He has looked, I mean, he's gotten himself into situations, but whenever he runs into trouble, he seems to dig his way out and in doing research. And I'm sure a lot of people really kind of had this on their radar. He's got a left on base percentage of 86.7, which means 
again, more the majority of the time he's stranding runners anytime he runs into a pinch. And that's in 11 games, and he's carried the brunt of a lot of, of uh, relievers right now in the Pirates' pen. Um, and, and it's kind of why they put him in the eighth, and they trust him there because they know he can work his way out. Even if he doesn't, it's not like he hasn't let up a lot of damage up to this point. So I, I don't I, I don't know if I should believe that this mark is sustainable. Um, he's definitely shown with the, with his pitch types, his way to mix pitches too. And I, I mean, he's, he's shown that he can probably carry that out through the long term. The thing I'm worried about is, I mean, he's already into 11 games at this point in the season. I don't want him to get overused like, like Will Crow and Bednar last year. And I feel like if he is overused and continuing to come in in that eighth inning, whether we're winning or not, I mean, that's going to wear out his arm fairly, you know, pr- pretty quickly. And I, for a guy that we really rely on to lock down those late innings and set up a bridge for Bednar, I, I don't. I hope he doesn't run into that Will Crow situation where he has a dead arm by the end of the season. That's definitely a fair concern. I will say I, I do like this. Both Holderman and Bednar have both appeared in eleven games, and they both have exactly eleven innings pitched. So that means whenever you put them in to start an inning, they have been able to finish that inning every single time. Obviously, Holderman has all the holds. Bednar has all the saves. Their ERAs look awesome. I love Holderman's 57.6% ground ball rate. You love to see that. But I, I do think this bullpen is definitely in better shape this season than it was, obviously, at this point last season in terms of use. You you mentioned Vince Velasquez. So let me ask you this, Jake. How would you... And I did this in a piece with Bucks Dugout this past Friday, but how would you rank the starting pitching all five of them at this very moment on who you would trust in a big game. So if I'm understanding the criteria correctly, one through five with one being the best five being the worst. Yeah. I think at this point in time, based off results that we've seen, I would go with Johan Oviedo. Number one. Wow. I mean, the guy's dominant. He's been locking down hitters left and right. Uh, Probably Mitch Keller next. Um. For what it's worth, I got to go with Vinny V. I mean, considering he he went from the whole way from the basement and he's now in the attic. I mean, he's he's been doing everything that we never thought he could do. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt now and eat crow a little bit. Put him at number three, Rowe at number four, and Rich Hill at number five. I, I don't know. I still don't feel comfortable with Rich Hill that much. Um, yeah. It took 40-plus pitches to get through two innings of the Reds. Not, not the craziest in the world, but um, that would be at least – where I'm at at this point. No, that's fair with, I I think I agree. The top four have definitely separated themselves from rich Hill, but Hill, I, I still feel confident that he is slowly, but surely every start just, just searching and searching. And yeah, the overall numbers don't look great. His ERA of four eighty five is higher than his X ERA of six ninety one. whatever stat you want to use. He's kind of been a little bit lucky, but the the top four, I mean, they're all pretty legit. And you mentioned BAPIP a little a little earlier. Um, I will say, yeah, Velasquez and Oviedo, they have the BAPIP of two fifty four, which that's not that's not sustainable. That's gonna have to bounce back up at some point just because BAPIP is kind of the control group of baseball stats. It's it's basically around this season league average, I think, is around two ninety, so their backups should come up a little bit, and therefore they should be a little worse at some point. But I still think they're they're awesome. Like I don't think Oviedo is a two twenty two ERA pitcher, but if he's at three whatever, I'm happy with. So he that's not to take anything away from both Oviedo or Velasquez. I will say though about Roe Onzi, his backups at three fifty nine. So he's been a tad unlucky. So that just shows that. Out of his four starts, he's been he's been great in three of them. In one of them, he did get bat-bipped to death by the Astros where all of the hits were falling. But I think those top four are pretty legitimate. I really do. Uh, the Vince Velasquez, I'm probably the least confident in still. I'm sorry. I mean, he was just – he probably had his his best start ever yesterday in his career with the Pirates, seven innings – scoreless 10 strikeouts but long term over a full season i don't i don't know 
I don't know how how great of production we're going to get out of Velasquez, but I love to see it now. But the top three, Contreras, Keller, and Oviedo, like you said, I'm I'm totally in on Oviedo. Keller has been solid, and Contreras is only getting better. So I think the starting rotation and bullpen, as far as future success goes, I think they're in pretty solid shape. And I think I think it's pretty sustainable long term. I don't know. I mean, obviously some some of these pitchers have to come back down to earth a little bit, but they look like a major league pitching staff. Yeah, I think it's I, I'm just with you. I mean, I, our starting rotation, I think, is great for now. And that's the key word for now. Um, right. I don't have high hopes that, that this luck in the string of quality starts is going to last. But I mean, hey, uh, why talk about what's going to happen in the future when we can just enjoy the moment now? And that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. And that's why I ranked Vinny so high is because we yeah. all know he's going to come down to earth at some point. So I'm going to give him the praise for what he did now instead of saying, oh, he's you know, this is a fluke. He's going to come back down soon. So that's just that's where I'm at. I'm trying to stay positive. So offensively, I wanted to touch on this. The Pirates have 25 stolen bases this season, and that is second, tied for second in all of baseball. And when you look at the team as a whole, it's everybody stealing bases. Gian Bay leads the team with five, but Kutch has three. Brian Reynolds has three. Brian Hayes has three. O'Neal Cruz had three, but Swinsky two. It's a whole lot of players stealing bases. And I just think that I, I love what I've seen from the pirates on the bases in terms of being aggressive and taking extra bases, especially with the new pickoff rolls, the bigger bases, all that. But I think it's more, um, it's more of a good sign that it's not just one player with the ability to steal a base. Even Connor Joe has a steal. Even Carlos Santana had a steal. Um, Hedges has a steal. Like a lot of a lot of pirates are running right now. And I think over the course of the full season, the pirates aren't going to hit the absolute crap out of the ball like they have been over these past few weeks. But the ability to run, I really hope that we see that over the full course of the season because it definitely unlocks a part of the offense. If you're consistently turning walks or singles into doubles via the stolen base. It just makes it that much easier to score runs. So I really hope the Pirates stay aggressive on the base paths. And it's not even like they're getting caught that much either. I don't have the exact percentage, but I I definitely like what I've uh, seen there. Yeah, going to your comment about um, the, the lack of being caught stealing, I guess we'll start there. And I think the reason for that is because they're kind of catching catchers on their toes. Uh, Pitchers to a point with these new roles, but I really think like, you know, as a catcher, when you look at the Pirates lineup and you think, okay, player A can steal, player B can steal, like you're normally used to, like you said, Reynolds, maybe Hayes, McCutcheon, like you can sort of pinpoint it, but the Pirates are just, they're, they're kind of taking a new approach. Like, hey, we're going to send guys that not too many people are used to seeing because we're seeing a lot of, I guess, under the radar cat, or not under the radar, but like not big time catchers, like not not catchers that are, uh, really good at throwing people out. So we're sending guys like Santana, which I got to stop here and just say that was awesome seeing a big man stolen base in Sunday's finale. When when I saw him dive in a second, I had to do a double take because I was not sure that, that was actually him. Um, but it, they're they're trying to create situations and create scoring opportunities with everybody. And I, I mean, I, we're not in the locker room every day. We don't know what Derek Shelton or you know these base coaches are saying, whether they're. Uh, Hey, we're going to take gambles. And if they pay off great, if not, then, you know, we at least tried, or if they just kind of made everybody a confidence booster and said, Hey, we know that if you hustle the the great, the, uh, the rewards will come. And that's what we're kind of seeing now. And especially, I think it's kind of the proof is in the pudding with Carlos Santana stealing a base. I mean, green light for everyone. Why why, why not? And we saw it in spring training with Connor Joe a little bit. He kind of, to me, had the green light to steal whenever he wanted you know, as long because he could read the pitchers, read catchers pretty well, and it paid off for him. I mean, there's really not much you can say other than it just seems like they're getting more prepared to face catchers who are not used to throwing people out, and they're trying to read patterns a little bit. Because, I mean, I would agree with you wholeheartedly if it was more of the pitch rules, because, you know, pitchers take two throws, and then you're off on the, on the next pitch. We're not seeing that. We're seeing one pickoff throw, and then 
the pirates are sort of reading like, okay, he, you know, they're kind of getting into the pitcher's mindset a little bit of like, okay, if I pick over again, then it's going to be a guaranteed stolen base next time around. Um, you know, so they're going to use it wisely if, if they even use that second pickoff attempt at all. So they're kind of getting one step ahead of pitchers, one step ahead of catchers. And I mean, Derek Shelton alluded to it in the pre in the, in the uh, spring training period of we're going to be more aggressive and this is just them executing it and they don't care how they do it as long as they do it. So, um, I mean, I think it's sustainable if we're talking about sustainability, I think this aggressive base stolen bases, it's definitely sustainable. Um, they're going to go up against bigger catchers moving forward, but I mean, they've gone against guys like Tyler Stevenson, um, Wilson Contreras, just to name two who are pretty good catchers. And, uh, they kind of made it, they made them look silly in a way. So I do think it's something we're going to see more of down the road. Yeah. And I looked it up. They're actually 25 of 30 this season. So that's like a 83% success rate stealing bases. You'll take that every time. And if they're, if they're doing it at the volume that they're doing it, I think that that should definitely continue. And I mean, you, you look at this roster and they have some pretty speedy guys. Jack Swinski's fast. Kutch is fast. Brian Reynolds is fast. Brian Hayes, he's pretty fast. He's a savvy base runner. Bay is a menace on the bases. So definitely got to stay aggressive, stealing. Um, you love to see it. And whoever the opponent is, catcher, whatever, slow pitchers, whatever, um, the Pirates are definitely taking advantage of the the cat and mouse game with how many pickoffs left. Uh, should you steal more if they've already used the pickoff throw? If they've picked off twice and are down to their last one, should you automatically run? Should you not? Because I've seen there's been a few times where the pitcher has used up two pickoff throws, disengagements, and the Pirates have not run. And it in the moment, it was kind of confusing. Like, what are you doing? Why don't you just run? But I just think they're kind of playing mind games at this point on the bases. And uh, this team isn't – it's not filled with boppers. You have you have Reynolds and Kutch, obviously, and Jack Swinski, hopefully, over the entire season doing well. But a little small ball, a little 80s ball, uh, pitching and defense, baby. That seems like it could be the Pirates' way of playing over a, a long period of time. Yeah, I agree with you. And going back to your mental part, half the game of baseball is mental as it is physical. So they're just trying to put that into motion here, and I think – you know, I think it's paying off for him. Could it pay off going forward? You never know, but that's why you take these chances, especially with a team like the Pirates who don't have many expectations to make the playoffs. They can, they're feel they're free to just sort of experiment with the way they are. So we talked about Connor Joe a little bit earlier, and I want to know your thoughts. How sustainable is his hot streak at the plate? Because he, I've heard a lot of people compare him to the 2006 Freddie Sanchez, possibly with a little bit more power. <laughs> I want to know if uh, you think that his streak of luck, well, not streak of luck, his successful streak is sustainable or not. So, I mean, you look at it, uh, his, his BAPIP is through the roof. It's insane. It's what? It's four, <laughs> 436, it, it, if I have yet, yeah, no, 439. And yeah. I looked at this earlier, and not to cut you off, I'll, I'll let you resume here in a second. Please. I thought you'd find this interesting. I looked on fan graphs because I wanted to see where he would rank. In BAPIP in the in the in against major leaguers, um, he's not ranked because I don't think he's played the amount of games yet. Which is surprising, mm-hmm. but if he did, he'd be fourth in the MLB and third in the National League in BAPIP. So, that- yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you don't expect him to hit three fifty seven, four fifty five, six forty three over the course of six hundred at bats, and the BAPIP will definitely come down. But I will say, on the other hand. His hard hit rate is 39.5%, so he's hitting the ball hard. He hasn't been lucky in his hitting. He's just been really awesome. So if he continues to hit the ball like he has been or at least kind of sort of on the same level, I don't see why he can't be a 300 hitter when it's all said and done. Um, And once again, kind of touched on it the walk rate with a lot of players on this team is just it's been nice the pirates i read an article um on fan graphs and basically the the whole thing was that the pirates are choosing pitches wisely this season offensively they're not swinging at bad pitches their swing selection is 
is key and has been key. They might not be the best hitters, but if you're swinging at good pitches and laying off bad pitches, that's the thing about pitchers these days. They're all awesome. They all have great stuff, but they still throw balls. So easier said than done. If you lay off the bad pitches and swing at the good ones, you'll be that much more successful. That's why hitting is so hard is because that's difficult to do, but the Pirates have been able to do it. So with Joe, the walk rate's up. He's laying off of bad pitches. He's going to come back down to earth, obviously. He's not going to be a 194 WRC plus guy, but I think... I think he's going to be all right. We'll see. I would definitely give him every day at bats until he cools off. So at the end of the season, I mean, he's worth one war now. He's on a pace to be like a six-win player, six or seven-win player. I don't see that. But if he ends up being a three- to four-win guy, which at this point seems – it doesn't seem like it's crazy to ask after this start. We'll see. And if that's the case, he's a borderline all-star. So I don't, I don't, once again, I don't know if that's the case, but I think, I think he's going to be all right. And I think he deserves those everyday at-bats. And you mentioned the outfield, put Connor Joe in the outfield with Sawinski and uh, Reynolds with McCutcheon DHing, or, you know, switch that around however you want. Maybe the one day Joe's DHing. Joe can also play a little bit of first base. He just needs to be in the lineup every day. And he has been a huge boost to this lineup. It's crazy. The first few games that he played, he was usually the seventh hitter. Maybe he hit fifth against lefties. In this red series, he was right there in the three spot. So it's been great to see. He has definitely, we talk about Andrew McCutcheon being a surprise and how awesome he's been, but Connor Joe has been the breakout number one surprise offensively. And you just hope that he can hang on to 70% of that production over a long period of time. If he can, I mean, he's an all-star, so... We'll see what happens, but I definitely love what I've seen from Connor Joe. Well, you mentioned Kutch too. Uh, he's seen the ball pretty well. Uh, obviously, batting average, whether some people consider it outdated or not, it's pretty high. Uh, he's worked a lot of walks this year. Just uh, uh, like you said, he's been a surprise this season. Do you think his magic is sustainable to this Pirates lineup? I personally think so. I, I mean, he's always been a talented ball player. I just feel like he made a progress because. I mean, he loves he loved Pittsburgh, loved being on the Pirates. It seemed like that's where he was most comfortable with when you look at all the other teams he's played for. Um, and now that he's back, he just fit right back in there like a glove. So I, I'm a believer that McCutcheon's uh, abilities are sustainable throughout the rest of the season. You look at it, I think he's going to strike out more. His strikeout rate is at 15.5%. Sorry to be nerdy percentage guy over here, but I'm just looking at it on fan graphs. He's going to strike out more. He's, his walk rate, though, is just – it's great, 14.3%. I just – it can't be said enough offensively. Maybe it's Andy Haynes. Maybe it's Derek Shelton. And we should mention, as an aside, sorry, real quick, congrats to Derek Shelton. We've had our mixed opinions on him for a while now, but he is extended. We're not sure how long, how much money, or whatever, but he's going to be with the team for at least next season after this season, because he's under contract through this season only until the extension. So good for him, but offensive philosophy. I mean, they're just, they're making the right decisions. They are. And with Kutch, with my eyes, it's tough to say. I mean, he looks like all-star Kutch. He looks like the McCutcheon that was playing with the pirates all those years ago. Maybe there's something about sleeping in your own bed every night. You're not constantly on the road. Uh, He's just been awesome. And even if the batting average does dip a little bit, he's at 275 right now. I think he's been a little bit unlucky with that 275. He just needs to stay fresh. That's the thing. These guys all seem fresh. They need to stay fresh. And I don't think Kutch is going to be a 139 WRC plus guy. But if he's at 120, I think... I think that would be awesome. I guess this is my rule of thumb looking at all these numbers. For the guys that are super hot right now, if they could be 70 to 80% that good all the time, then the Pirates are a playoff team. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. These guys have been out of their minds lately. If they're 50 to 60% as good, which I feel like should be kind of an expectation, then they're a good, interesting team. So we just got to see. I think Kutch... 
I don't know. It's hard not to get excited watching him play because the bat speed, the swing, it all looks as good as it ever has. And, you know, he tore that ACL a few years ago. Maybe he's starting to feel as good as he's had in the past few years. He's older, obviously, yes, but knock on wood, I'm sorry in advance, he is looking really healthy. He looks great. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think Kutch... I've been, I've been, I'll, I'll end it with this. I've been driving the Kutch needs to get to the All Star bandwagon for a few weeks now, so I think he can. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that McCutcheon is an All Star come July. Yeah, like you said, if he and maybe a few other people can maintain that 80 percent effort they've been giving now, or seventy eight percent results, um, I, there's no doubt that this team's a playoff team. No doubt that Kutch is an All Star, which would be awesome to see again i'm sure he'll make maybe one more game before he retires um but i mean it's like you said it could be whether it's sleeping in his own bed every night he just looks like he's back to his comfort level um that we saw a couple years ago back in pittsburgh um i mean you talk about sleeping in your own bed he's also around his family more often too which i think has a big boost in him too um and and Going back to the 275 mark, like you said, he has been he's been robbed of, a, of more than a couple opportunities in terms of getting good hits. Uh, I mean, that St. Louis series, every time he would make hard contact, Arenado or O'Neill were just right there to, to uh, steal it away. Uh, we saw it in Cincinnati, against Cincinnati. He would rope a line drive right to short, just an unfortunate circumstance. Um, it's all there still, and... I I and probably a lot of other people forgot about that ACL injury that you mentioned. And it does take a couple of years to rebound from that, just from the people I've interacted with who have torn their ACLs. But once they're back, they, you see that production level uh, more often than not uh, that what happened before they, t- they tore that uh, it tore the ACL. So like you said, maybe we're just coming back to it. On one hand, looking at this team, I think there's no way. Like, there's still no way. They've won all these games. They're 16 and 7. I still, part of me is waiting to to get woken up. Part of me is just like, all right, like, this is this is ridiculous. They're not this good. They're still a 70-win team. They're still a 100-loss team, you could even say, because that's what they've been for the past three years. As an aside, again, sorry, with all these asides, I was thinking – Obviously, COVID times are just absolutely terrible, but imagine if this was the 60 game season and the Pirates got out to a 16 and 7 start. They would we'd be planning the parade at this point. They'd be locks to get in the playoffs. I'm glad that that's not the case, but I just thought of that driving around today and I got a chuckle out of that, but I don't know. Like I was saying though, sorry. On one hand, they can't be this good. They just can't. But on the other hand, you look at it, some of these players are just I don't think it's a fluke is the other thing. I just, I don't think it's a fluke. Maybe the pitching over these past few weeks with the quality starts has been a little fluky for sure. But offensively, I mean, just the way that they've been able to grind out at bats, just the way that they've been able to see pitches. I think that just goes a long way and take their ability to hit the actual ball out of it their approach at the plate has carried this offense and I don't see why I don't see why starting tomorrow they would get they would start getting antsy at the plate and start swinging at terrible pitches and strike out on sliders in the dirt like I don't know why that would start so they just need to stay within themselves baseball cliche it's so annoying but they just need to continue to do what they've been doing and it's it's as simple as hit the good pitches and lay off the bad ones. I'm getting major money ball vibes from this. I don't know why, because we have guys that can get on base, yeah, guys that are smart at the plate, and we have a good mix. I don't want to say mediocre talent, but we're not bringing in guys like Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, like known superstars to really be a cog in this team. We're bringing in a lot of guys that can bring different abilities to the Pirates and I'm trying to word this as simply as I can. They're bringing abilities to the Pirates that not everybody can possess, and we're seeing that rub off on the younger players, uh, older veterans that are more disciplined at the plate but can put some 
power behind the ball if they make contact. It's just, it's, I think it's just maybe the right combination of talent. That's, that's, I think that's as simple as that. That's a decent point. And Connor Joe is basically our money ball version of Scott Hatterberg. So just get on base. And uh, that, that's the key. Jack Sawinski. Jack Sawinski's walk rate is insane right now. I don't think he's an 18% walk rate type of guy, but he's really impressed me with his, his eye. And I don't know. Cabrian Hayes has always had a good eye. Brian Reynolds, he's struggled a bit lately. His walk rate's down. It's only 5.3%, but he's still someone that has always had a great eye. So between him, between those four guys, those two plus Kutch and Santana, that is basically half your lineup with a really good eye. You add in Jack Sawinski, who's shown to have a really great eye. Connor Joe has shown to have a really great eye. Even the guys coming up, Tukapita Marcano, he just got up. He walks. He doesn't have a lot of power, but he walks. Walk rate above 10%. He has a good eye. Even Jason DeLay has a freaking good eye. Rodolfo Castro, he's been a little slumpy lately, but all these players have good eyes, and I just think that's sustainable. And as long as they don't wake up and just start swinging out of their shoes for absolutely no reason, I don't see why this offense can't be top 10. There's your hot take of the day. The Pirates can have a top 10 offense over the course of the season. I think it's true. I mean, I'm not going to repeat myself, but I think it's just the combina- the right combination of players. Like you said, a Scott Hatterberg type that can be smart at the plate, draw yeah. walks on base, and then you have the right guys to bring him in. And we also have to consider that some of these numbers either could be a lot better or could be a lot worse because of awful umpiring this year. We're seeing a lot of brutal <laughs> calls, yeah. and I feel like Key Brian Hayes' walk rate could be much, much higher but also and Reynolds. much lower. Yeah, and it could go both ways because of poor officiating, so – um, and that's just my opinion. I want to get that out there, <laughs> but like these numbers, you got to give a little bit of an extra margin of error, if you will, because of poor strike zones, if you will. So I, I, I think it's sustainable and I, I agree. It could be a top 10, possibly top 15 offense. Yeah. All right. Let's look at this Dodger series real quick before we get up on out of here. The Monday game. This is the ultimate Pirates revenge game against Noah Syndergaard. And Jake, I know you're aware, but just to remind all the Pirates fans out there, there was a viral video of Syndergaard flipping through baseball games, and he was blacked out of the Mets game. Classic. Couldn't watch the Mets game. He was flipping around. He saw that the Pirates run, and he muttered to himself, the Pirates suck. So... Big time revenge, revenge game for the Pirates. They have to know about it. They have to. If if not, they need reminded all over Twitter that Noah Syndergaard. I don't know what year it was. He was right in what he was saying in the moment, but still unacceptable. So far this season, though, Syndergaard has had four starts, twenty-two innings pitched. He's given up twelve earned runs, nineteen strikeouts, four walks, four home runs. The ERA is four ninety-one. He has not been stellar he will be opposing johan oviedo who will be i told you this on the last pod this is the oviedo test this is the true test he had his start against colorado dominated them he dominated st louis which i will say st louis has a really nice offense but that was maybe more of a revenge game for him he dominated boston after the first inning uh, he dominated Chicago, the White Sox, which that's also not a terrible inning or a terrible offense, sorry. But the Dodgers, let's see. That's that's the Monday matchup. We'll see what Oviedo can do. On Tuesday, it's Rowanzi Contreras, and he will be opposing Michael Grove. Once again, not going to lie to you, I have never heard of Michael Grove, but this season, four starts – 16 innings pitched, he's given up 15 earned runs. So, I don't know. That's two pitching matchups so far in this series that I like for the Pirates against the Dodgers, the big bad Dodgers, the team that has a million wins this millennium. Uh, The Thursday game, the final game, this is the pitcher's duel, if you will. It'll be Mitch Keller. It'll be Mitch Day for the Pirates, and he will be opposing Julio Arias, who that's the Dodgers ace. That's the guy, the lefty. We'll see that righty heavy lineup for the Pirates. But so far, Arias has been pretty solid. Five starts, 27 innings pitched, 
He's given up 10 earned runs. He has given up five home runs, so some potential there. The ERA is 333. He has 30 strikeouts, so he's going to he's gonna get some strikeouts. He'll be opposing Mitch Keller. Jake, what are some of your thoughts going into this series? And dare I say, would you like to make a prediction? Well, I don't know if you were aware of this, but the Dodgers are going to be without their hottest hitter, Max Muncy. Um, Max Muncy, who has, what, 10 home runs? Yeah, 11 home runs, 21 RBIs, although he's a big strikeout machine for him. But, uh, yeah, he's on a hot streak right now. He is on uh, paternity leave, I believe. So he'll be gone, which means I think filling in for him, it's going to be somebody who's not that great. I'm not completely sold on the Pirates winning all or winning uh, winning the series yet, though. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we all anticipate that we're going to come out and torch Cindergard for his comments, but I have to. Um, you got to think that he's got it in the back of his mind, like, Hey, I got to go out there and kind of prove what I said a couple of years ago. Um, and he knows that he's got to do a little bit more because he doesn't have his full offensive unit. Um, I, I I'm not going to say Oviedo does terribly in the season, in the series opener. I think he's still going to pitch fine. I just don't think he'll get the offense to back it up. Um, I think we'll lose that one um, against Michael Grove. I think we have a good shot at winning. Uh, Rowanzi's looked better with his control lately. His breaks gotten a little bit better with the slider, especially Grove. I have no idea who he even is. So sorry, Michael, but you're going to get trashed. Um, Urias, that's a toss up because people would think that that's just an automatic loss, but the pirates, I think have proven that they can stand up to anybody so far this year. Um, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Urias gets the best of us kind of brings us back down to earth a little bit. I hate being so pessimistic after such a, a long run, but I mean, you go up against the Dodgers, they have a chip on their shoulder from last year when we swept them. Uh, yeah, players have chips on their shoulders. Forgot. <laughs> yeah. And people think that without Muncie, they're going to be powerless. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a little optimistic now that Muncie's not there, but I'm not completely sold on it. I think we win one of two. Hopefully we, we were proven wrong. Uh, but I just, I don't think we're ready yet to, face these big top contenders yeah i'm looking at it right now so the dodgers are 12 and 11 on the season they are fresh off of taking three out of four at the cubs and in those games they scored seven nine zero they were shut out 13 nothing and six runs so their offense has been pretty solid have you seen that mookie betts has been playing shortstop for the dodgers I have not actually. He's been playing shortstop and he's been doing a pretty good job at it. I just want to mention that. And I just kind of want to tip my cap because that's pretty awesome and pretty cool to see. But yeah, the Dodgers still have Mets. They still have Freddie Freeman, JD Martinez, kind of a reclamation older hitter for them. Slugging five thirty four. He's looked good. And I will say a name to watch out for on the Dodgers because I have him on my fantasy team as a fantasy wire pickup. He's been awesome, is rookie, I believe, James Outman. He hit two home runs the other day. He has seven home runs on the season. He's hitting 311, 400, 703. He's been insane. But I don't think it's out of this world that the Pirates kind of keep the hot streak going and win two out of three. I could definitely see this win streak reaching nine. And then Arias kind of comes in and shuts the door and maybe shuts out the Pirates. But pitching matchup wise, I like the first two games. I was actually talking to a friend this past maybe Saturday before the game, before the Pirates game. And I told him in a perfect world, the Pirates finish off the sweep against the Reds and then win the first game against the Dodgers, put them at 17 and seven. I think that would be awesome. And you know what? I could be wrong. Tomorrow could be a a loud awakening of what life really is for the pirates. But I think the dream can keep on going. And I think the pirates can win two out of three to put their record at 18 and eight. How's that sound? I'll take that, especially against the Dodgers this early this season. I'll take it. And then we can do whatever and go to Washington and whoop up on them. I'll take that. Yeah, and you mentioned it. The Pirates went 5-1 and one against the Dodgers last season, so we already kind of own them, if you will. So you love to see that. All right, Jake, uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before signing off here? 
Um, aside from congratulating Derek Shelton on his contract extension, which don't know the terms yet for some reason. Probably um, won't find out. Which I don't understand why. Like, just <laughs> release the contract extension details. Um, Coaches are weird. Some you, you get to know, some you don't. So I guess with him, you don't. Um, other than that, I'm excited that Drew Maggi finally gets his chance. Um, I don't want to talk too much about him because we kind of did that in spring training. Um, right. I do want to say to the commentariats on Bucks Dugout who were like, these two guys are getting hyped up over a guy who's never going to have a chance at the MLB. Yeah. He's in the MLB. How's that so, sound? Yeah. Congratulations to him. And I he comes in and does something. I, I hate I hate to be 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 the guy to deliver the bad news, but I've I think I've seen reports that Reynolds should be back for t- the Tuesday game. So that that would probably be it for Maggi. But if that's not the case, it sucks. I know I wanted to see him get in that bat against Cincinnati, but the game was just too close and you can't be giving out, you know, career achievement at bats in a game that matters. So I I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe there's an opportunity down the line that he gets another special call up like this and he gets that at bat. I'd love to see it. But if I if I had to guess, he's probably gonna be DFA tomorrow, but he's definitely not gonna get claimed, so he'll probably be back in um double a this week so who knows maybe at some point you never know well um ethan Houlihan, the uh big uh stats slash cva guy for pirates payroll uh, guy yes yeah uh he actually came out and said that um reynolds i think has to miss three games so there you go so the opportunity is not it's not that out the window for he might get it then yeah he might but just wanted to uh, throw that in there because we were high on him in spring training, and now hopefully of course, he tore it up. Yeah, so congrats to him. Hopefully he gets uh, his time in the in the spotlight with the Bucks. That's another guy that can steal bases if he gets in the game. Maybe as a pinch runner, who knows? Maybe. Hey, a, a spot in the major league game is a spot in the major league game. So, oh, for sure. All right, Jake, uh, you want to throw us your Twitter here before we get out? Sure. You can follow me at underscore radio Jake on Twitter. You can follow me at Nathan underscore Hirsch. You can follow Talk the Plank at Talk the Plank Pod. Bucks Dugout at Bucks Dugout. Yeah, so we'll be back later this week with the Talk the Plank Pod. Haley will have the Minor League Madness later this week as well. So a lot of stuff. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back later this week. Peace out. Yeah.